As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. It may not sound like me, but yes, this is Ben Standing. I cover the commanders for The Athletic. It's Wednesday evening. I am back from Baltimore Somewhere along the way over the last couple of days, I lost my voice. Um, I don't know how I sound right now. I hope it's not nails on the chalkboard for you guys. I chose not to do a podcast after Tuesday's joint session with the Ravens because I, I couldn't I couldn't even get out this much voice. Um, it was a mess, but I wanted to 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 muscle through here and uh talk about what we've seen over the last couple of days and some other topics as well. So uh, helping me to so they to take some burden off Matt Parrish with the Washington Times. Join me for obviously the commander's perspective. Thoughts on Sam Howell. Who did we think stood stood out the most? Some roster dis- discussions. And a little Terry McLaurin or Jahan Dodson as well. Uh, then from the Baltimore perspective, my colleague at the Athletic, Jeff Zrebeck. Obviously, it's interesting. I know a lot of you out there do care about the Ravens as well. But also, we can't just say the the commanders did X, Y, or Z, good or bad, without having full context. Because from the, what what's going on with the Ravens, um, and Jeff obviously because he sees the Ravens every day, gave us that context. What he saw, how did the Ravens look compared to normal? Who stood out to him from Washington's perspective? Some Emmanuel Forbes talk in there. So two fun conversations, despite this voice talking to you right now. Um, Better days ahead for my voice, we hope. And so when you want to hear that, subscribe to the Standard Room Only podcast on iTunes or anywhere you do your podcasting. Also, go check out The Athletic. I had two stories out um, from practices. The first one was uh, about um, what um, Ravens cornerback Arlen Humphrey said uh, that really gave insight into how the league, I think, is looking at Sam Howell and the commanders and why that's important. And then today, well, actually, it's going to be up in the morning. Uh, it was about the defensive backs and how they are going to be. I mean, you already we already know they're going to be good, but like, just I want to give some shine to them. I hadn't done too much about that yet. And plus, each day has a notebook items as well. So you can check that out on The Athletic. Um, I'm not going to talk too much here in the intro. You can understand why. I will just say Chase Young, um, you know, he had the stinger against the Browns. 
He was out there doing some individual drills these two days, but did not participate in full um, full team drills. Uh, Logan Thomas made some good strides. Ron Rivera said that with the training staff, he's been um, working on some you know in in the pool and some other things to get going. We saw him do like running on the side on Tuesday, like some high knee lifts, things like that. So that's progress, at least from the standpoint of we hadn't seen him at all for a week or, or, or so, Ian Ashburn. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, Sadiq Charles did practice Tuesday, did a little bit Wednesday, but then um, ended his practice early from a team drill perspective because he was feeling it in his calf a bit, Rivera said. Um, so those are some of the notes there. I don't really have to get into too much more because I think we went over a lot of the things. I, I will just add that it's an unusual so this is, we've done joint practices before. It's been a minute, but um, this is an unusual setting when you haven't done it for a while. We have not done this since Rivera took over. And by that is usually when we're in Ashburn, all the action is taking place on one field in terms of like seven on sevens, 11 on 11s, right? But when you're here in, in a joint practice on one field, the field closest to the stands that we that we were mostly at was Sam Howell in the offense against the Ravens defense. The, the commander's offense was on that field the whole time. The other field had the commander's defense against the Ravens offense. And the way we were allowed to watch practice, you pretty much have to pick a side. There's no middle ground, literally, because the middle, the back of the end zone was I said earlier, it's sort of like the Ravens facility, which is so nice, kind of like a, a golf, uh, a golf course entrance. And it's got that clubhouse feel to it, but that's where they had dignitaries, including Josh Harris was there on Tuesday. Joe Gibbs was there on Tuesday. Uh, Jason Wright. So uh, uh, Mitchell rails was there. Some of the other, the Ravens certainly had their people there as well. They don't want us in the way more or less. So you had to pick a side. And when you do that, you know, I, on Tuesday, I saw the two big fights that were both on Washington's defensive side. But today, the bigger fights were wherever I was. I wasn't where the fights were. And I say fights; it's you know, got you know, football players will be football players, some skirmishes and all that. But that's what my point is that no, unless you stayed and watched Sam Howell on that field, you couldn't see Sam. If you saw him did that, then you didn't see Montez Sweat and Jamin Davis and all that group. So. Had to pick your battles, had to choose where and where to go, did the best, you know, anybody could or I could. And, uh, you know, still got some got in to see some good stuff out there for sure. Uh, but Matt and I get into a bunch of this now. So I'm going to just not dilly dally here and uh, rest the voice uh, for now. OK, but here we go. We'll start with Matt Paris from The Washington Times. Then Jeff Zreback, Ravens insider for The Athletic here on the Standard Grimley podcast. All right, here to help uh, take the burden off of my crappy voice is our pal Matt Paris from the Washington Times, who was out with me um, in Owings Mills for the past two days. Uh, Matthew, glad to see you made it back home. Uh, I think his first joint practice on the road for the both of us. What did you make of the experience? Yeah, unless you count Richmond as the road since it's away. But besides Mm. that, uh it was it was an interesting two days i felt tuesday session had a lot more juice maybe i was just more tired wednesday but 
I think just watching the teams, you know, the Ravens had some guys sit out uh, Wednesday's practice, which kind of, you know, had the buzz uh, a little bit down. But uh, it was still an eventful two days and glad to have done it to shake things up. I mean, at the end of the day, these practices are no different than the practices we see in Ashburn. The difference is, of course, there's a different team on the field. So you get to see Sam Howell against the Ravens defense and Chase Young, well, I guess he didn't play a bad example. John Allen against the Ravens offensive line and things like that. But the actual drills themselves are the same. So I think the first day, it's like, ooh, ooh different matchups. And the second day, like, oh, okay, we sort of saw some of this already. But the coaches get, and the players do get a lot out of this, they say, because you get to see, because you don't quite know what the other teams are going to do. In in, in the real practice, the, the commander's practice, uh, everybody kind of knows what's going to happen because they have to, you know, situate practice. Whereas here, you might know it's 11 on 11s or O-line, D-line or whatever, but like you don't always know what, what the other guy is going to do or what the team's plan is. So it is different in that regard. Um, I guess let's just, so yeah, I'll, here, here's the other thing I do want to, here's the biggest difference. The commander's practice facility yeah. versus the Ravens. The best way I could describe it was that the Ravens place, it was, it's a beautiful place. It just feels like you're walking in to a country club setting. Um, the building, even when you walk out to the back of it, it feels like you're walking out to like, so sort of like a really huge putting green area, super nice tre- trees lined around the side. Everything looks great. No disrespect to the commanders. It looks like, a, it feels like a muni park to use that golf example. It's, you know, kind of beat up. It's effective, but it's not great. It doesn't have any of the amenities and all that stuff. So what, what did you think? Yeah, I think there are trade-offs in those situations. I like the freedom of walking and seeing the sight lines of, you know, the commander's facility. I think the, the views are a little bit better for media portions. But that said, uh, you know, I thought it was notable Josh Harris was there on Tuesday. You know, of course, I think he's going to be there. But at the same time, you, you have to imagine he's taking this all in, seeing what's there, seeing what top of the line looks like. Because, you know, the, the Ravens facility is top, you know, regarded as one of the best in the NFL. I haven't been to Minnesota Seattle's another one that's like that, I, I think. But um, they've set a standard there that uh, if I was Josh Harris, I could see wanting to emulate. Yeah, no, I mean, whether it's exactly like that or, or not, it's an example of where this franchise is behind. Again, obviously, Josh Harris just got here eight seconds ago, so it's not about him. I honestly don't even blame Dan Snyder too, too much from the yeah. standpoint of he has been for years thinking he's going to build a new stadium and the practice facility potentially is part of that. So it's kind of kept waiting and waiting and then we know how things went. But in any way, the stadium could be seven years or so. The practice facility could get done a lot quicker if they're willing to not make it one big thing. That was, that's a huge question. And then, you know, in terms of like the RFK site, that'll be a thing to contemplate there. All right, let's get to uh, the thing everybody wants to talk about. Sam Howe. He got had to face a new defense. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I thought Tuesday was maybe his best day all of camp. Thought he's quick, decisive. You really see the timing starting to come together. I thought you saw his connection with Terry McLaurin really starting to come together. That's been it hasn't it's not it hasn't not been there throughout camp, but you definitely notice him throwing the ball a little bit more to Jahan Dotson to 
when he was healthy, Logan Thomas out there. But uh, I think recently with him, with McLaurin, it, it's gone to another level. And then besides that, I mean, today's was a little bit, uh, I think, more uneven. But it's not so much even Sam Howell. It's the offense as a whole, as how it functions. I think the offensive line, they have a lot of penalties. That was kind of a thing in Tuesday's practice, too. I guess my question now with the offense isn't whether Sam Howell will hold, its back, hold it back, but whether, you know, the, the unit itself, you know, a, a holding penalty wipes out a promising drive, a, a false start makes it a more difficult third down. It's those type of things, those kind of speed bumps, I think can get in the way rather than, oh my God, this is broken and they're screwed. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, I've been kind of this way for a little bit. Like Howell's going to have his ups and downs as a young quarterback. But it doesn't feel like that the se- the season will tip on that. I mean, the quarterback outweighs everything, yeah. but the offensive line remains a, a significant question, um, without doubt. But just to stay on Hal for a second, you know, I I wrote on um, the, after the first day, um, Marlon Humphrey, the Ravens Pro Bowl cornerback. Interestingly enough, was not a practice today because apparently he's having surgery and there's some mystery about when that injury happened but anyway he said a couple things are interesting he said one when when asked about how he said he didn't even know whether Hal or Brissett would be the first team quarterback and that comment alone said to me exactly why the win total for the commanders is six and a half and why people think what are we doing here that could be terrible it's because it's not a matter of what the team is. It's that Sam Howell is a total mystery, which is understandable if you paid no attention to college football. And you're like, wait a minute, a fifth-round pick with one start? He's the de facto starter? Like, you're just, here it is? He didn't just kill it in camp? You're just going with him? But then what what um, Humphrey said next was that he looked comfortable back there. And I think, you know, whether he's just uh, – Saying that to say that you pointed out to me, Josh Norman made similar comments about Sam Darnold when um, Washington faced the Panthers. Uh, no, not the Panthers. Um, the Jets in a similar circumstance. Obviously, it didn't work out, and Josh Norman's not in an NFL front office right now, probably because of that. But, um, but I'm just saying, like, I think he's looked. I think that's my biggest takeaway throughout all this. He does look comfortable. He does look calm. He doesn't seem to get rattled he's going to have to do a better job. I think of speeding up some of his decisions. The accuracy can waver a bit, but he also can make the throws. Kendall Fuller pointed this out today. He can make the throws you need top level starters to make. So I think it's positive for, for, for how, but this is why you need a better offensive line or one you feel better about because you've got this young quarterback. Like, it's not like you have, you know, pick your guy, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk cousins, Russell Wilson, whatever. Like they don't have some guy that's like done this. It's, He's learning, so that's to me where it is concerning. But again, I think for Howell in particular, I think he's been fine. Yeah, and to uh, Josh Norman's defense, Sam Darnold did look very good those few days uh, of practice. But <laughs> with Howell, I think you know Eric Bieniemy's talked about how early in camp he's been he you saw him overthinking and how that's turned a corner and. You know, I had a chance to ask how that today in the, the session, and he said, yeah, like just his command of the offense it has gotten uh, better. I, I do think there's things that he can speed up, but I, I 
the guy makes real the, the throwaways I think are actually really well timed when he gets rid of the ball out of bounds he's throwing it away at, you know at a, a smart rate I, I feel like that was the like Wentz's biggest problem last year is just holding onto the ball too long and like you know if if Sam Howell has a nine sack performance the way Carson Wentz did last year against the Eagles I don't know how many of those will be uh on him versus you know Wentz last year I think a lot of those nine were on Wentz no, that's a great point because Wentz, I remember when I spoke to Wentz before the season started, and he basically, I think it was when I spoke to him, but at some point he said, he basically said, I think I can, I think it's always going to work. That's why he's a, the, got that sort of gunslinger mentality. And as we know, that wasn't always the case, but we're at, right. Howells in the preseason game, you saw it too. He only had three incompletions, but I think they were all deliberate, essentially. Um, two were yeah, throwaways and one was a drop. Right. So, okay, good. Um, we have to mention this because it was a topic today. Is a silly topic. I, I apologize if any of my guys who were hosting radio shows talked about it. I don't know because I was not here. But when Ron Rivera was asked today if he's if he's ready to name Sam Howell the starter, and he said he wasn't. He said that hey, I got to go talk to coaches, discuss it, go from there. That's not surprising. He has said all. I mean, it's been feud all along that this week was going to be the week, sort of the line of demarcation of how the starter or there's an actual debate uh, largely of how screwed up he didn't, but practice, they just walked off the field. He hasn't been able to you know talk to anybody or, but you know, do your due diligence, but there's no debate. It's going to be how he's gotten essentially all the reps, first team reps, except for like a handful at one or two day period. It's his job. He just didn't say it today. There's nothing to worry about. You concur, I assume? Uh, yes. I mean, I wrote something very small on it, like 500 words, um, which is, you know, not not that much. But it is. No, uh, at the Athletic, we call that a tweet. Well, I, I was gonna, I was gonna say less than one of your intros, but I, you were already feeling a little bit bad so i didn't want to pile on you there but i think you could see me pulling my punches there um but anyway uh yeah the headline even said don't panic i don't even know if the fan base is really panicking in the first place i did see some really kind of like angry people were quote tweeting my initial tweet about you know rivera deflected whatever and there were some upset comments towards him but to your point, like, what is he supposed to say? Like, he, he hasn't even talked to Eric the enemy yet. Or I guess they could, you know, Ron has said all along when um, coordinator candidates, even beyond Eric the enemy, were interviewing for the job, they were telling it, him, the, them, that Sam Howell was going to be the guy. So, you know, I mean, that's all you need to know. They've given him every opportunity to be number one, and he hasn't done anything to lose it. Also, he doesn't have to uh, answer a question because because we asked it. I mean, there are times he does. We get a no, but like, this isn't one of them. Anyway, so we can move on. <laughs> we can we can move on from Sam Howell. And by the way, I think Percet looked fine. I mean, there were times where I thought yeah. Percet would look maybe even better when he came after how like today at the they, the last Saturday of elevens, the first team offense was kind of a mess, and Percet came in and had a good throw dots in. But whatever. It's Hal's job, and we'll move forward. Um, all right, let's how about this? Forget quarterback. Anything else? What What's the thing, player, position, a, 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 a concern? What's something that you feel better about after these two days? 
better about you know the I mean the defensive line was always going to be the strength of this team but I've been even surprised not even surprised but like guys like F.A. Obata and I wrote about Andre Jones Jr. today this team is really deep at you know at, even at edge rusher and you think about Washington's defense and you think about those defensive tackles up front Jonathan Allen Deron Payne they kind of set the tone but I'm I, I was thinking a little bit today about all right, even if, you know, Montez Sweat and Chase Young don't have the breakout years that they want that can lead to the big paydays that they're trying to occur, I think that position itself can still be pretty productive uh, just if they go to a rotation or if F.A. Obata or even a guy like Casey Tuhill or James Smith-Williams, if they have to play for stretches, they can still be a really solid unit. It was last year when Young wasn't in there, but um, – yeah, I, I just think they found really nice depth there. And this team has done a nice job of identifying late round draft picks, especially, you know, in the defensive backs. But I think I think on the defensive line you can say that their their eye for talent is impressive as well because James Smith Williams, they didn't draft Casey Tuhill, but they picked him up. Um they they've done a nice job of hitting on these late round guys. Yeah, I mean, Andre Jones, since you mentioned him, and uh, you can go read Matt's story on the Washington Times. Um, you know, he this place has kept their draft picks. I believe only one draft pick has not made the initial uh, 53 since Rivera took over. So you would think on the one hand it's a lock that he would make it. On the other hand, they also drafted another defensive end, K.J. Henry, two rounds earlier. So if you... And then they already have all these other guys like you just mentioned and keeping more than 10 defensive linemen is seems a bit rough when you factor in special teams. So you could easily say, all right, the seventh round pick, you know, nobody's going to cry too much, but he has flashed more in practice than, than KJ Henry has even before these two days. And, you know, again, by flash, I don't mean he's going to be Micah Parsons, but just like he, you, you recognize, Oh, he's making a play. He's a super raw, but he's there. And I think, when he got pushed up higher in the rotation today in particular, I think that's what got everybody's attention. And I, I do think there's something to it. I don't, I, I almost think right now I would say if you only pick one, I think he's making it over KJ Henry, but you know, it's draft picks are a long-term play. It's not about this year. So that may be, they may have a different view, but that's one to see for sure. Um, I'll just say not so much that I thought based on these two days of the defensive backs were lights out out there but just seeing the number of guys they had and um you know benjamin st juice was back out there today after missing the previous day with an ankle injury um you know they are just such a good such a deep group i mean emmanuel forbes had some rough moments um today in particular uh, probably the roughest he's had all camp um but he competes he really gets in there he is not afraid to battle and and um you know, I even talking to my Ravens colleague, Jeff Zreback, he was, without me asking, he mentioned that day one that, that Forbes really stood out to him as a guy who was, you know, involved and and, and, and aggressive. So I just think they have so many guys back there. Um, I, obviously, I, I just think that's going to be, you know, the defense is the best part of the defense, let alone the team. But I think the secondary is going to, you know, is positioned at least. We'll see. They have to do it. They're so young. Only Kendall Fuller is an old guy. Everybody else is basically a baby. Um, so we'll see how they do. Um, let's go the other way. Anything concern you more um, after these uh, couple days? Uh, 
don't uh, it's not it it has been a concern I, I don't know if who's gonna win the left guard competition you could tell me Sadiq Charles because when he's healthy that they seem to give him every chance you could tell me Chris Paul because Sadiq Charles can't be healthy or just his level of play isn't up to par but uh that spot it, you know even when Sadiq Charles was in there I, I don't think he played particularly great he uh had to sit back down today because the calf, I think, flared up a, a little bit. So, uh, yeah, that spot is still a bit of a concern. I think Chris Paul has played well when given the opportunity. I, I You know, it's not to say that he hasn't, but it's just, um, yeah, I, I don't know. that All it takes is one, right? We've seen great offensive lines get picked apart because they have one weakness there. And uh, I think you and I both agree that this isn't a great offensive line regarding <laughs> besides that. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to not go with the offensive line. I will just, since you said that, I'll just say, you know, when for the tight ends, when they picked up Caleb Smith the other day, my, my view was that was not so much a Logan Thomas um, hedge that it was like, hey, you know what? I don't know what we have enough here if we want to keep four in particular. Um, there's some good news about Logan Thomas per Rivera that he has been doing more work behind the scenes. We saw him doing a little bit of exercise on the side field that we hadn't seen in Ashburn, but you know, counting on Logan Thomas alone is not a wise plan at this point of his career and Cole Turner, you know, he's, he's a big target, but you know, he's still got things to show. John Bates, good blocker. He, he's, he's a better, a nice yeah, he's a better receiver than I think collectively we all kind of give him credit for but i do wonder about that position a bit especially if you know logan thomas is the guy you're counting on with his you know recent injury history so we'll see how um we'll see how that goes all right um let me do this so i started this bit in the last podcast episode where we're doing i I need a name for the bit i don't have one yet but we're i'm coming up with with lines for various topics, mostly commanders related. Maybe one will be a little bit silly. Okay. Um, and it's like, you know, we're just saying, here are two things. Imagine you're an odds maker. What's the line? And you've got to, uh, you got to give reasoning. You can't just give out a number. You got to explain passionately why you think what you think. Okay. All right. First one up. There was a lot of tussles out there over these two days. The offensive line seemed to be involved in a few. Who do you want? Who's who? Who do you least want to make mad at you? Nick Gates or Sam Cosme? Oh, uh, great, great question. I think Cosme could probably destroy me faster, but I think Gates Cosme's a bigger dude. I'm not. Yeah. I I would. My instinct leans towards Cosme, but I don't uh, trust anyone who has a giant tattoo of like a samurai on their back as Nick Gates does. So uh, I'm going to say Gates, even though I think the brain what's, is going, the brain is going to Cosme, but the. What's the line? Oh, okay. Uh, I'll go like Cosme minus 135. Is that? No, like minus one, minus 10, minus. Oh, uh, like a point spread. 
Oh, okay. Sorry, I thought you meant like <laughs> what's the line? You're a boxer. You think I'm, I'm a, I was thinking in boxing odds. <laughs> That's uh, I'll go uh, Cosby minus three. Okay, I'll go Gates minus two only because, like, I, I like based on what we've seen in in Ashburn and here, he it is much easier to light his fuse. Like Cosby obviously was yeah pretty pissed off today but that was like a you know he's in football gates, gates an instigator yeah gate gate like i think in general for the offensive line this year if there's a if we look at it later to boy these guys really turned it on i think gates is yeah. aggressive uh nature when he's on the field is going to be as a positive because he is always ready to go so he, I, i'll go gates uh minus two well, right, when the- you were Oh, sorry. Just real quick, when you were starting to ask me that, I thought you were going to go like number of personal foul penalties oh. on the Gates this year. <laughs> That'll be up there for but, sure. Yeah. All right. This is an off the field question. Here's the what's the line? You, you and I both like okay. at least one of these places: Chick Fil A versus McDonald's. Okay, depends what we're talking here. I would say Chick Fil A in terms of like food quality is like a minus six. You know substantial like i you know i eat at chick-fil-a uh more than i do mcdonald's today. that's an easy choice for me but the mcdonald's fries and coke combination just those two in itself if i want like a snack or, or something then i'm gonna give mcdonald's you know a minus three chick-fil-a's fries are very good but uh, i think the ringer had a, like a fast food thing a few years ago where the chick-fil-a fries went out as like the best fast food item that uh there's a reason I remember that. It's because it was garbage. So, uh, yeah, I'll go with the I'll go Chick Fil A overall, but uh, I prefer McDonald's fries. And McDonald's what'd you say? Fries the number one draft pick on. And what'd you say the line was? Minus six. Yeah, I think that's okay. So let me let me let me just back up here because I want to explain the reverence I have, and I assume most people of my age or, or you know above, above a certain age have for McDonald's. McDonald's has been like. I don't know, Duke basketball under Krzyzewski or Alabama football under Saban, like basically the undisputed champion, more or less for decades at a minimum, at a minimum, they were in the finals every year. They, 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 they started all this. They got it going. I can't comprehend at any point in my life other than the last few years, I would have thought about anything other than McDonald's being number one, even though I had moments where I flirted with Wendy's, you know, Got hot and heavy with Roy Rogers. I think it's Chick-fil-A. And you said six. I think that's a good call. I McDonald's has gone downhill so much. There's one by my house that I try to avoid, but sometimes I'm lazy and there's a drive-thru and all that. There's nothing on the menu that I think to myself, wow. I mean, you mentioned the fries. There's no food. There's no entree item where I'm going, I, you know what? That's what I'm in the mood for now. Everything is just, oh, I don't know. Like, And they've, and they've given up on like some of their items. That I mean, the, a double cheeseburger and an egg McMuffin, I'm not turning down, but it's downhill. Chick-fil-A, way up. I'll go with the six as well. Yeah, I think I I like the McDonald's nuggets. They're a solid, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, and then also breakfast is fine. But when's the last time you had a McDonald's hamburger? I, I've got to say it's probably been like 20 years for me since I've actually had like a 20 McDonald's. years. You're like 12. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, I mean, like I said, no, I, like, I, I was probably I don't think I've had McDonald's like a McDonald's hamburger since like the fourth grade. So I'll say this. 
me getting a McDonald's burger is like me watching Seinfeld now. It's mostly nostalgia. I'm not saying I don't completely hate it. I do like Seinfeld better, but like it's watching because like I need something I'm familiar with more than it is. Oh, I can't wait to do this now. All right. There's my thing. Last one. I think these two guys had really good camps, and I think it's going to be a really interesting season to watch these two play. And I'm curious what you have on the line right here. And that is Terry McLaurin versus Jahan Dodson. You can say you can view it however you want, who they are today, who they will be, whatever it is that you, you, you've got. What do you got? McLaurin versus Dodson. So I would say McLaurin to have more yards than Terry by like a minus two or one. I saw Logan Paulson's take the other day that, you know, Dotson might be the leading receiver. I, I didn't think that was outrageous. I just think Terry's track record being a safety blanket for a young quarterback, as Rivera talked about yesterday, all those things are in his favor, but. All right, well, we're, I know you're a numbers guy. Forget all that. Just player. Who's the who do you what do you have? Just players. Oh, oh, I would rather have Terry. I mean, Terry's a okay. Nice. What's the line? Oh, I sorry, I thought you were going with like who's going to be more productive. No, no, what I mean, it's it's whatever you want it to be. I'm just saying, you know, okay, well, it's who's going to be more productive for this team. I, I think Terry minus two. Uh, who would I rather have as receiver? I think Terry like minus. Seven, if that's too high, and that takes nothing mm-hmm. away from John Dotson. I just, I think, uh, you know, Terry McLaurin is one of the ten best, maybe one of the seven best receivers in the league. It is a really what, what's so fascinating about this is that there's nothing to not like him about McLaurin, other than like maybe he hasn't been as completely like he's a little too more straight runner than I would have thought, but uh, coming out, but like, um. And like the lack of touchdowns, sort of, yeah, maybe speaks to a little bit. I mean, obviously his quarterback sort of not been helpful, but speaks to maybe a little bit of the uh, of, of something with him. I, but but there's nothing to knock. But Jahan Dodson, man, like talk about nothing to knock, other than the fact that he's not the tallest guy. He just gets open and open and open. I, I think I don't. I think there's definitely a world where he is their top receiver this year. So while I think like a year ago I probably would have had a line like you said, or maybe even higher. I think I'll go minus four and a half with McLaurin, but minus four and a half. I just think Dotson is uh, is really good, and and that's what's going to be interesting if they have the time to to be able to pass protect how. I think these two dudes are going to get open all day long, and then it's not even factoring Curtis Samuel, but I think uh, I think they could be a really fun watch. All, all right. right. Oh, I, uh, thing, sorry. No, no, go ahead. The thing that goes in Dotson's favor, of especially you said related to touchdowns, I mean, I think John Dotson's best uh, attribute is that he's a red zone target, which you associate bigger receivers, tight ends. But a dude has some hands, and uh, that was, you know, I, I expect that to continue this year. Indeed. All right, go read Matt on um, the Washington Post. Follow him on Twitter at Matthew underscore Paris, P-A-R-S. Um you know, he's already uh, the better looking of the two. And he definitely sounds a lot better today. So, uh, Matt, appreciate you uh, bearing with me here. We'll talk. All right. When we talk about how the commanders look, it's only really half the story because 
did the Ravens look better than they have been? Did they look worse? What did outside eyes think of seeing Washington? Nobody better to tell us all that than my colleague at the athletic, uh, the legendary Jeff Zrebeck. <laughs> um, thank you for the time and putting up with my voice as well. Um, can I just say, I think that my number one takeaway, I talked about this earlier. My number one takeaway is you get to go to work at a really, really, really nice place every day. And I'm <laughs> super, I didn't even see, other than the media room, I didn't see much. Very, very nice. I'm very jealous of that. Yeah. You know, people, they call it the castle and people want, you know, people wonder why they call it that. And then they come, you know, then they go there and they look around and like, yeah, it does kind of look like a castle. And, you know, they've done a lot of work on it. They sort of have added another wing to it since, you know, people used to work downtown, but now they're all moving back in the, you know, the facility there. Um, it's a beautiful place. It really is. It's, uh, you know, the, the landscaping and just the architecture. And I don't know if you got to go in the um, lobby. You probably didn't because the media was on the right side, but they sort of have the the Lombardi trophies behind glass. And it's just in that setting. It just looks really cool. So, yeah, it's a uh, it, it's 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 a pretty spectacular place, uh, you know, to be and to look around. And from a football functional standpoint, there's two fields side by side that are, you know, everything you want. But then behind it, there's like another field, like that's kind of where the players, at least here, who are injured go work. The, maybe the punters and that type of thing. Yeah. That's really nice. Then there's like stands on all on on the two sides of the field, plus down by the extra field. There's even so much space. I saw today. There's like a fountain, like behind all that. I was like, oh my lord, this is like everything is nice. It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah, by the way, did. last thing also, the food. If you ever if you ever a chance to go to the Ravens press box for some reason, the food is spectacular, and it's so it was as well. Really good. Um, the last two days as well. Yeah, you know the funny thing is just a little side story, Ben. They they call that fountain and all that back there. They have a name for it. It's called Lake Lastly. Now Jordan Lastly was a former, I believe, fifth round pick receiver at UCLA, and he got in a couple of fights at one practice. He was a disappointment. Fifth round pick, kind of moved around the league a little bit. He got in a couple of fights at practice and then he scored a touchdown. And to celebrate, he threw the football into the lake. Um, so it be, kind of became nicknamed Lake Lasley, but it's kind of derogatory because he threw the ball in the lake with the owner about 10 yards away and he wasn't impressed. And it also happened to be one of those footballs with the microchips in it that they were kind of working with and practicing. So needless to say, Jason, Jordan Lasley was cut shortly thereafter. <laughs> Yeah, that's so that's your lake lastly. All right, good, 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 uh, good deal. All right, I appreciate the insight. Um, all right, well, let's talk some football. So, as I said, I just discussed what we thought about Washington, but what's interesting is I don't know what you actually think about the Ravens and how they look now. As we know, this is not the same as a game. Lamar Jackson yeah. was not out there dancing in the pocket and and turning up field for big gains and a bunch of guys were out today, including Marlon Humphrey, who you had to work on today. He had an injury at some point here. Um, it's going to have surgery. That said, it's the point of the – they all these you know what these things look like. So mm-hmm. from your perspective, we can start with the offense. How did Baltimore's offense look compared to their normal deal um, going up against Washington? Yeah. I, you know, overall, Ben, I, th- I thought it was pretty competitive – 
practices. Today, I thought that it was kind of a step up. You know, yesterday sort of had a feeling out process, uh, you know, between both teams. And and today I thought it was more intense and, and, and a little more physical um, without as much nonsense as we kind of saw. Um, yeah, I, I I thought in general, I, I thought Ravens at times had some problems with the commanders up front. And, and I fully expected that. Um, you know, the Ravens' best offensive lineman didn't practice. He's kind of Ronnie Stanley, their former all-pro left tackle. He was sort of on the load management program. And I know Chase Young uh, also wasn't taking part in team stuff. Um, but I, I thought that that was a really good matchup. You know, I, I saw wins on both sides there. I, I thought that was, you know, uh, a pretty good matchup to watch. Um, you know, I, I, in general – you know, I don't think Lamar Jackson played particularly well these last two weeks. Um, but, you know, I, it's funny in these practice settings, it's not, you know, Lamar is at his best on game days. I'm not saying he's not a practice player, but when you cut a lot of stuff that he does well that you don't really work on in practice, it's it's not going to look the same. Right. So um, but yeah, you know, I, I thought Washington had struggled all the last two days guarding Mark Andrews. I don't think that, you know, they, they made a couple plays, but he caught a ton of balls, but everybody struggles with Mark Andrews. You know, he's an all pro tight end. Um, I, 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 some, you know, the, I was impressed with Washington getting after the quarterback and I, I they definitely have a couple players in that secondary. Uh, Forbes was kind of a mixed bag. I saw him get beat a good number of times. And then I saw him make the, make some plays. These practices are though, are kind of tailored toward the offense. So you expect the offense to make plays and cornerback to give up catches, but you got to love his compete level, his swagger, his confidence. Um, you know, I know the Ravens really liked him. I don't even know that they wouldn't have drafted him if he was still available and they were on the clock. I know DeCosta has been highly complimentary of that pick. So it was interesting to watch him up close. I, it was a pretty good matchup, you know, um, I, I thought it would have looked uh, more beneficial to the Ravens if they converted on, on more opportunities. I think there was more plays to be made, and whether it was a drop or uh, just an underthrown ball or an overthrow, they didn't execute as well. But this is kind of what we expected, Ben, with their offense. We knew it was going to be a work in progress under new offense quarter Todd Munkin. It's a totally new offense, um, and and it's kind of looked that way. Uh, you, you know, I, I would ex- suspect that, you know, they'll get off to a little bit of a slow start early just because they're still kind of feeling their way with that. Yeah. You mentioned Forbes yesterday without, when I saw you for the well, first time out on the field, um, cause I had been watching Washington's offense and you were watching the Ravens. So when I came over, you immediately were like, dude, Forbes, that guy is, uh, yeah. you know, he's in it. Not that he's winning every play, but he's yeah. really aggressive. Yeah. And then I know today, you mentioned that um, he got beat a couple times by guys yeah. who you're not even sure are going to make the team. There was a highlight where Odell Beckham beat him deep on a double move, but Lamar's throw was yeah. short, so he didn't get there. Um, that's what's going to happen to the rookies. I mean, you can't, yeah. you know, and like you said, these practices are not designed for the defense easily enough. But um, you know, that stood out to me that you, an outside observer, with a you know, you got the red pen ready to go, and you were like, okay, mm-hmm. I like this guy. Yeah, he jumps off to me. Uh, just you love the compete and you love the confidence for a rookie. And uh, you know, for a rookie cornerback, you're gonna get beat. I mean, it's just a fact of the matter. Um, you know, even veteran cornerbacks, they're all gonna get beat. 
But that kid, you know, first of all, he doesn't quit on plays. There were several times he was beaten and, and he kept, you know, he kept in it and, and winded up deflecting the ball away. You know, he was going right at Beckham, talking a lot, going right at Mark Andrews, talking a lot. I mean, to me, that's fun. You know, obviously there was kind of the the, the little fisticuff incident with Tylon Wallace, but otherwise I I think it was good, hard competition and, and probably beneficial to him. And, and I think it was a good look to the Ravens wide receivers because I think that kid's going to be a good player. I mean, I didn't uh, – did you primarily watch Baltimore's offense? Yeah, that's what I was primarily watching. I mean, you know, the story for you guys more than anything is, right, the quarterback thing. And yeah. for us, it's, you know, it's Lamar is kind of always going to be the story for Baltimore, you know. So I stayed over there. I tried to watch the defense a little more today, the Ravens defense. But, um, you know, with the arrangement, usually you can stand in the middle of the fields. But with all the people there, there wasn't that opportunity, you know, so you couldn't really, it was tough to watch both at the same time, but I did like the, uh, I always liked the one-on-one drills between the O-line, and the DL. Um, those are always interesting. Um, and, you know, obviously Washington's defensive line speaks for itself. They got some, uh, they got some guys there for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, I, as I'm sure it's the same for you, I'm in my own bubble yeah. during this stretch. I was talking to my editor today who covers other deals with other teams as well. And I, I was like, oh, what's going on with Kenny Pickett? Because he has the Steelers. Like, I, you could tell me anything. You could tell me Kenny Pickett has looked the best quarterback in the league or he got cut. I really, I have no idea. <laughs> um, and so looking at the Ravens, you know, I'd kind of forgotten that Odell Beckham was there and then Mark yeah. Andrews. And then because Forbes was gone, they took Zay Flowers in the first round. I mean, it's got to be the best weapon Lamar has had, yeah. right, in the passing game. No question. No question. And, you know, Bateman this week didn't practice. Uh, he was did the individual stuff yesterday. Um, today, he didn't do anything. It's sort of he's still ramping up. They still think he's going to be ready for the start of the season. And we're talking about a former first round pick. He um, uh, but he has to stay healthy and he just hasn't. But I, I think he could be special if he's healthy. But that's a huge if. Um, and J.K. Dobbins was not a part of these practices. He just kind of ended his hold in, um, but he only took part in the individual stuff because he's ramping up. So you add those two guys um, to the mix with Flowers, who looks really good, and Beckham, who has surprised me a little bit. Um, and, and, you know, he obviously doesn't run as well as he used to, but Beckham still runs really good routes. And I've been impressed. He's been on the field every day. I mean, I thought he would be a guy that doesn't practice a whole lot, but that hasn't been the case. So no question. It's the best supporting cast that Lamar Jackson has had. And it's also an offensive coordinator who in past stops has been more of a balanced offense and has been able to marry the passing game with the running game, which Greg Roman really was never able to do. And, you know, the biggest Lamar defenders or supporters, whatever you want to say, have been yearning for this, for him to get a chance to operate in a more wide open offense. And this is the opportunity for him to do it. I don't want to say no excuses because that makes like it's all on him. But this certainly is a season where they have some weapons in place and it's an offense that kind of offense that he's wanted to be a part of and operate. So uh, we'll see how it goes. All right, now I know you said you didn't really watch a ton of the Baltimore defense, and that's fine for what I'm going to ask because I was watching Washington's offense. Washington's yeah. offensive line is 
probably the biggest question mark at this point. Um, so I'm not even 100% sure if the Ravens were missing anyone or not. But in the parts that I was watching and even listening to Ron Rivera discuss it the last couple of days, you could tell they were not completely pleased with how their line played to a degree. But part of it they gave credit to the Ravens were doing some good things, some stunts, some moves, whatever, yeah. to get in there. Whoa. Where is the Ravens' offense, defensive front right now? Like, is it a particularly dynamic group? Is it a work in progress? Where is that at? I think work in progress is probably a good term for it. Um, you know, they don't have Bowser, who's been a veteran outside linebacker for them. He's still on the non-football injury list. And I do think, Ben, whether it's Jadavion Clowney or Kyle Van Noy or Robert Quinn or Carlos Dye, they're going to add a veteran pass rusher. They usually keep five. And right now they really have three plus Bowser who hasn't started practicing, but they got two young edge guys in Adafi Owe, a first round pick two years ago, and David Ajabo, a second round pick last year who would have been a first round pick if he didn't tear his Achilles in the Michigan pro day. So they got some pedigree there. You got two, essentially two first round guys um, that are kind of developmental players and they're hoping that they both break out. And, uh, you know, they're big physical inside, you know, Matabike and Broderick Washington and Michael Pierce. Uh, they can get after the quarterback a little bit inside. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's going to be one of the league's best fronts, Ben, but I, they can get after it. They have some guys there. That's for sure. All right. Now, in the secondary, so I said earlier, that, well, I think Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dodson, the receivers looked pretty good. Yeah. Uh, in, certainly in the one-on-ones and then in the game. However, n- not only was Marlon Humphrey not out there today, um, and I guess apparently he was dealing with an injury enough that he's going to have to have surgery on the first day. But yeah. my right, the Ravens are pretty thin at corner already. So this is just again for the context of McLaurin and Dotson are really good. There's no argument. Yeah, yeah. But if we're discussing how they looked, the context of the Ravens secondary as well. Yeah, I expected that to be a mismatch. Um, you know, and that's a credit to, you know, McLaurin and Dotson uh and Samuel and those guys uh for one. But yeah, I, I mean, Rock Yassin, who was the kind of the guy that they signed this offseason, the veteran to replace Marcus Peters, who's now in Las Vegas. Rock Yassin hasn't practiced in two weeks, wasn't on the field. He's their number two. Um, their number one corner, obviously, and Marlon Humphrey practiced one day um, this week, and we won't see him for a while. And, you know, their number three, they have three candidates for the number three corner, and none of them practiced either. They've been so banged up at cornerback. In fact, that's what I kind of wrote today. They're going to need to go out and do something because that's not a position you want to be thin in. It's bad enough that your best defensive player, arguably, maybe Raquan Smith is that guy, but uh, Marlon Humphrey, who was a close second, is going to miss some time in the regular season. But there's not a whole lot behind him right now either because everyone's hurt. So, yeah, that's uh, they have two good safeties. You know, I think their safety duo could be one of the better groups in the NFL, um, but they are very short at cornerback uh, right now. And, and you know, it's, it's a problem that needs to be addressed. Um, last question. We've talked a lot here about feels like this is a kind of win or else year for Ron Rivera. Potentially he'll yeah. have one more year in his contract, but typically you're going to get re-upped. You're not going to play on the last year. This new owner haven't had a winning record yet. All these things. It doesn't like on the surface from the outside, Harbaugh always feel like he's going to be safe because the Ravens are always 
good, solid in the mix, what have you. And then obviously there's times where they go all the way. What's John Harbaugh's status? Like, is there any world where if things kind of are middle of the pack or or worse that he could be in trouble? You know, Ben, I think this is a big season. Um, You know, I think this is a big season in that regard. I I don't want to say it's a he's on the hot seat by any stretch, but they've struggled ever since they won the Super Bowl in 2012. I think they've won two playoff games since. And that's not, you know, the standards higher than that. Um, I think Harbaugh does a really good job. And, you know, they put it, they're a well-coached team. They're always competitive, even when they've just been decimated by injuries in recent years, he's had them either in the playoffs or knocking at the door in that final week. Um, but at some point, you have to push through, right? Or, or there's going to be decisions that, you know, maybe we should shake things up. I, I think with John Harbaugh, everyone realizes he's a really good coach. The question is, does it get stale at some point where owner Steve Bishotti, who's very close with Harbaugh, will say, you know what? John's good coach. He should be our coach. But maybe it's just time to make a change just because we've kind of gone stale a little bit. So, um I think let's wait to see how the season plays out. But, you know, they just haven't had much playoff success over the last decade, uh, you know, or so. And I, I know that sticks in the crawl of the organization a little bit. And um, they have higher standards than that than what they've been able to do. You know, the Bengals have passed them in the division. Um, their division is going to be very competitive this year. I think we we expect the Steelers to be uh, picket. You talked about our earlier. He's getting rave reviews down in camp there. Brown should be better with year two and Watson and the Bengals are going to be a legit Super Bowl contender. So that's a tough division. Um, and, and they sort of feels like they've lost ground to the Bengals. And, you know, at some point they need to kind of uh, answer back, so to speak, reverse that and, and go on a little run here in the playoffs. So I don't want to say at all, John Harbaugh's in jeopardy, um, but at some point they're going to have to kind of push forward a little bit and just getting to the first round or winning one playoff game is just not going to be enough because they have higher standards than that. All right. When uh, when we get closer to the baseball playoffs, I may have to have you and uh, Bridge Roley on to uh, tell me if the Orioles have a chance or am I just going to get my hopes up with the starting pitching staff that they've done really good all year, but I'm like, Ugh. yeah, in a seven-game series and you got to go up against somebody's ace i'm like mm, i don't know yeah man are they fun though like god it was just i love baseball and it's just they're just a fun team to watch you can see the flaws but yet they find a way and it's just yeah and i mean look i started i covered them for a while um and uh i it, it i don't i just just seeing camden yards packed and excited yeah. again and i mean i i you know, I've been to most of the baseball stadiums for my job, not not to a couple of new ones, but still want to arguably the best place to watch a game in in the league. And and to see that place packed and people excited, it's great for the city. I, I think that's awesome. I mean, I've really enjoyed watching them this year and postseason Baltimore and Baltimore uh, postseason baseball in Baltimore would be great. Yeah, I mean, they, this is definitely one of those times where it isn't just their winning, but the city aspect. Yeah, because obviously Baltimore has had troubles. I just recently binge watched The Wire. I know that's a few years ago, but I was like, okay, that's it's where we're, yeah. it's where things are kind of at. Um, <laughs> and like you know, yeah, seeing Camden Yards is my favorite place on earth. I haven't been there yet this year, 
Yeah. Um, I don't get there out enough. Baseball, I've kind of lost my way with it a little bit. But yeah, this is a fun team to watch for sure. All right. It was fun to hang out with you for a couple of days. Get to see what you were up to over there and uh, how well you're living at that facility. <laughs> Very jealous. Uh, Jeff is reback with The Athletic. Go check out his work. And obviously, if for nothing else, these last couple of days, read his stuff and you'll get a feel from the other side of how practices went. Thanks, man. Thank you, man. And feel better, okay? Fingers crossed. <laughs> Take care, man. <laughs>